This week on episode 499 of Priority One, we trek out the marketing machine for Paramount Plus and how it might affect Star Trek, and how a community initiative spotlights the ways women make Trek. In Star Trek gaming, you'll soon get your hands on that Voyager J in Star Trek Online, as seen in Star Trek Discovery, and Star Trek Adventures updates some tabletop goodness. You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 499 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021, and available for download or streaming on Friday, March 5th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. Welcome back, Kat! We were able to save you with a bird of prey on the frozen planet of Ruapenthe! Thanks. Thanks for getting me out of there because it was close. <laughs> that shapeshifter almost got me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing that guy had knees. Right? Thanks. They could snuggle up with me at night, keep me warm. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we're glad that you and, and, and the pups are safe and uh, you walked away relatively unscathed. Yeah, it was rough, but I know a lot of people had it worse, and I hope that they have recovered. This week, we want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you'll stay in touch. Given that we're a podcast built by a community of Star Trek fans, it's important that we also hear your opinions. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite app and you'll find us. Or you can email us. Just reach us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. As Kat said, this is a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers, people that dedicate their time and talents each and every week with no pay. From our audio editors to writers to the hosts, we come together each week because we're passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And like any passion project, it's hard to keep things running at no cost. So if you find value in this production and want to help us continue to grow, check us out at our Patreon page. There you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. And this month, we have two new patrons that we need to thank, Christopher Settle and Adam Crockett. Thank you both for becoming patrons this month. We're so very grateful that you find value in the production of this show, and you're willing to make sure that we can continue to produce another 500 episodes. Thank you so very much, Christopher and Adam. Thanks, guys. Speaking of 500 episodes, we're gearing up to celebrate this momentous occasion with a 500-minute live stream on Saturday, March 13th from 11 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our goal is to not only celebrate this incredible milestone, but to take this opportunity to raise money for the Poor People's Campaign, an organization doing incredible work ensuring marginalized communities get the help they need, especially during this pandemic. So mark your calendar for Saturday, March 13th, and follow us on our YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter pages, because that's where we'll stream to. We'll be joined by special guests like Rod Roddenberry, Mary Chifo, Alexander Sittig, 
Allison Pill, and more. Don't miss it. Don't forget there are other ways to help us out here. If you can't make a financial contribution, you can always share and like and retweet our social media posts. And our door is always open to other passionate Trekkies who might be interested in joining our team, from audio or video editors to artists to hosting. That's right, the hunt is on for a new voice to join us. So if you've got a lot to say about Star Trek, we encourage you to visit our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and click on the Join the Team link at the top. There you'll find a description of available positions you can contribute to. I can start talking in Spanish to try to incentivize you to be a member of the hosting team here but really what we're trying to do is elevate voices that otherwise may not have a platform by which to voice their opinions about star trek and their thoughts and their opinions so if you're a member of the bipoc and or lgbtq community we hope that you'll seriously consider applying it's important that we make every effort to represent all corners of the star trek community so remember that site is priority one podcast.com now let's check out the latest news from the star trek multiverse I don't know. Then let's trek it out. If you use Twitter to stay current with Star Trek news, then last week your phone probably blew up when the Hegman brothers dropped an image of what appears to be the six main characters of Star Trek Prodigy, the upcoming animated series that was originally slated to premiere on Nickelodeon but has since moved to become a Paramount Plus offering, only to be rebroadcast on Nickelodeon after the first ten episodes are released on Paramount Plus. We'll have an image of the characters for you in our show notes. Yo, Twitter blew the frack up over this it image. did, and I didn't understand why they were adorable. It's, you know, it's a combination of things. The Star Trek community really is turning out to be like another another red versus blue dialogue co- competition of who can say the zinger first kind of thing. Uh, and it's really unfortunate because you, you've got gatekeepers on both sides. You've got gatekeepers saying this is Star Trek. If you don't love it, GTFO. And then you've got people who are, this is ridiculous. I hate everything about it. And all they do is just back and forth attack each other and it's it's a picture we have a picture stop gatekeeping on both sides just stop it like just enjoy your track or don't enjoy it tweet about it if you want but stop going after the other side because they voice their opinion just stop who, who cares god we have to get back to the idea that the show has to be good tv first if it's good tv you can forgive a lot of you know canon blenderings that they do you can forgive that if it's good tv you kind of don't care and if it's if it's good tv you know it's uh, it'll bring people in whether it's star trek or not but it's got to be good tv first i mean maybe people are jumping to conclusions a little bit on the just having a picture so probably you got to like cool our jets a little bit maybe see some teaser reels and that kind of thing uh, we've been hurt before those of us who are older fans of uh, of star trek to to me i saw the picture yeah it's like it looks like some sort of wacky zany type show but also that as a danger signal to me it's like ah they are this could be any show they're just going to put a star trek label on it and cast kate mulgrew but this could be any wacky random zany group of misfit alien kids who find a spaceship that's to me that's the danger that or that's the part that has me a little bit hesitant i wasn't hesitant at all i'm like again we don't know anything about the story i mean it sounds like they just want to do like an adventure in space with some kids and uh, you know and they're gonna have then they're gonna put a star trek label on it and call it star trek and that's yeah, star trek involved somehow but you know what i'll still watch it because it's got a star trek label on it yes <laughs> and that's kind of the point what last week exemplified for me was the hyperbole on both sides it just yeah. you know whether whether you're a community quote-unquote leader that always tweets positive things about Star Trek, or you're on the opposite camp, you know, a dude wearing a 
fake helmet claiming doom and gloom on all Star Trek things, you've got hyperbole on both sides. It was an image. Like, love it or hate it, it's an image. Tone it back. Instead of hating it, why not just voice your opinion about what you look forward to most? And if you absolutely love it, then love it. Who cares? Just just leave leave, leave the other side alone. Gosh. In their Investor's Day presentation on Wednesday, February 24th, Variety reports that the move is part of a greater strategy, according to Paramount Plus Programming Chief Julie McNamara, who said, quote, There is a kind of franchise strategy, which is the notion that if you execute new versions of this really strong IP that you have, well, you're going to drive people across the paywall, end quote. McNamara also explained that the decision to move Prodigy to a Paramount Plus premiere came from the data that they analyzed from CBS All Access show quote, subscribers who watch Trek shows also watch Nickelodeon's animated series The Legend of Korra, end quote. But what about Section 31? Well, according to Kurtzman and McNamara, they're still in, quote, conversations, end quote. Variety's Adam B. Very reports that, quote, they emphasize that the current five-series slate, Prodigy, Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, and Strange New Worlds, will likely not expand further until at least one of those shows runs its course. I think there's quite a bit to unpack here. Uh, First up, they're moving the Prodigy premiere off of terrestrial television, broadcast television, Nickelodeon, and premiering it exclusively on Paramount Plus for the first 10 episodes. And there's they're slated to be 20 episodes total for the season. So after the 10 episodes air, then they push it to broadcast television, to cable television, right? Or right, because Nickelodeon is not broadcast. Um, it's not free. Then in a separate article in the Hollywood Reporter, there was a there was a Q&A. They had a dedicated interview between Kurtzman and McNamara. And, you know, they talk about, they compare the Star Trek multiverse in its current iteration under Kurtzman to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Kurtzman pretty much flat out said, Nah, we're not trying to do a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Instead, he says, quote, whatever we do next is probably going to be in different timelines and different areas of the universe that haven't been explored before. A show that hasn't been dedicated to them yet, end quote. He also said things like, quote, we're aiming to have our shows feel unique and different from each other. We want to give everybody a reason to watch the show, end quote. This reminds me of how a few years ago they were talking about how they were just going to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Every time Kurtzman says something, I'm like, ooh, no. (laughs) It reminds me of a few minutes ago when I said it looks like they could just make any kind of zany space adventure and then slap a Star Trek label on it. Right, right. Well, that's kind of what he just said he was doing and then blundering it. I know. I just said that. And it reminds me of another quote in The Hollywood Reporter that uh, when Kurtzman said uh, he's gotten a lot of really positive feedback about how they've freed themselves from canon. And uh, everyone really enjoys that. What? Who's saying that? Who is saying that? No one. Many people are saying him. He's heard that from many people. Sir, people come up to him and say, "Sir," with tears in their eyes, and they say, "Thank you so much for freeing us from the canon, sir." I understand what they're doing. It probably makes business sense. They got to look at the data, and they said, "When we quit showing Star Trek, people stop subscribing. So we need to pull Prodigy off and plug it into Paramount Plus because we have a gaping production hole here between the end of this thing and the beginning of that thing. So we're going to fill that up." with 10 weeks of Prodigy. And so that that's why that happened. And then with Kurtzman, he doesn't want to hire people uh, that only do Star Trek or that want to do Star Trek. He wants to hire anybody to make a space show and then they'll put a Star Trek label on it because he wants to get people that have some sort of idea that he likes, that he thinks he can execute on, that, that he can be the you know the king over. And then they'll just you know use the IP license to you know make sure they're using warp engines and phasers, not hyperdrives and laser guns. It just, it, this kind of... Talk- that he says things like, you know, the fan 
friends appreciate like it just that scares me that bother that not scares me but it bothers me right there's clearly an echo chamber that he's yes in and he's only listening to certain david rutley says many people sitting around his table and right, many people exactly. he, many people that he's hired many people yeah. that right, he's that, right. that, that depend on him for a paycheck tell this to him yeah it's great way to go the stroke cannon out the window no one cares An excellent example of this of or rather the disconnect here is the tardis inside discovery right that it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside yeah that that got notably criticized when it first happened a season ago and yet they doubled down and in this recent season of star trek discovery it was a massive monsters inc sequence of of uh turbo lift action series right who is he sourcing information from like who is he listening to is it only the people that give him praise and criticism well that's that's an that's an unfortunate way of being an artist i and I, you know an artist is always looking to grow and develop their craft to take criticism that is constructive and apply it to their form and apply it to their craft if this guy is just in an echo chamber and him uh, you know with him with himself and the people he's hired and listening to people on twitter that do nothing but praise star trek that's unfortunate we're getting in for a 500 special right kurtzman's coming on i extended the invitation i extended the invitation oh, okay yeah i'll be we're, we're ready to hear back i'm sure you know other than like the whole TARDIS uh, dimensional issues like Kurtzman has another theme that I learned about just the other day uh, in the Lost Sibling uh, theme because he's involved in the new Clarice show and apparently oh, Clarice no. Darling has some Lost Sibling which was never addressed and, and I'm like oh just like Spock oh wait just like in Lost when Jack was secret sibling has a secret sibling too I'm like that's his MO big crazy TARDIS spaces and lost siblings that's that's Kurtzman <laughs> I, I didn't know that lost I mean I mean we can thank we can all thank George Lucas for this I mean you know the grandpappy of all lost sibling stories but you know to really to really really go hard on it in every single uh, series you work on that's impressive that's that's consistency no one knew Clary Starling had a brother come on that's not a thing the counter to that is always going to be like, well, it wasn't addressed, so why not? Like, it just, there's, there are a lot of tropes that, again. Yes, there. It, it goes back to my original argument. If it's good TV, nobody cares. Right. But it's not good TV. It's not good TV. It's just like. It's not good TV. Oh, a sibling, right. I just, I just watched the second season of, of Lost in Space, and I enjoyed it so much better than, than any of the new track that's been out. I, you know, I, I can go on, and we have gone on. Um, but I do also want to point out that this week they've been pushing hard on Paramount Plus. They've announced new shows that are coming out. For instance, they are, in fact, in the development of a new Halo series uh, that has been in talks for a while, but they finally announced it, 2022. Um, these are things that probably should have been announced during the Super Bowl ad. And again, just... They weren't done yet. Yes, let's not. They let's, weren't ready let's yet. Let's spend all this money, you know, on a Super Bowl ad, and we'll wait to announce some of our best offerings on Paramount Plus until a week before it goes live. Well, when's know, the man. Halo I, thing coming out? 2022. Oh. And it's going to be via Showtime, so who knows if it's even going to be on Paramount That's Plus. That's not even Paramount Plus. It, but it's still it's still Viacom CBS. So they're probably going to do what they did with Discovery and what they're now doing with Prodigy, which is it's going to premiere on Paramount Plus, like the first couple episodes, and then it's going to go live to cable television where you also pay. It's just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand how they're running anything over there. So tell us what you think, Captains. 
After learning more about how Star Trek will help build the Paramount Plus catalog and how they might handle new releases of Trek, are you sold on Paramount Plus? Let us know in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of animation, if you've been eager to get your hands on the Blu-ray release of Lower Decks, then your wait is almost over. StarTrek.com reports that Season 1 will be released onto Blu-ray, DVD, and limited edition Steelbook on May 18th. The release will, of course, include lots of special features like looking into the Easter eggs, commentary, deleted scenes, and more. You can pre-order your copy on Amazon now. What's a Steelbook? It's a steel case, and I think they probably give you both the Blu-ray and the DVD in there. Uh... Plus a little book. Okay. They're fun. They're they're, they're kind of nice. I have the Ender's Game. Oh, I have the Die Hard one. Now, I'm sure I'm not alone when I say that I love the women of Star Trek. And how do I know that I am sure others feel the same way? Well, check out the website, womenmaketrek.com, to feast your eyes on some amazing artwork displayed there. The creators of the website, Laz Marquez and Heather Ray, explain on the site that they want to honor those women from Star Trek that inspire people. The artwork featured includes posts from artists that share how these powerful women have impacted their lives. You know, I was looking through their website and oh my God, the stuff they have there. There was a Lawaxana Troy series that is so beautiful. And there was, a, I think my favorite one might've been the Keiko O'Brien. Wow, that one was gorgeous. Whoever did that was amazing. Yeah, I think this is an example of the Star Trek community at its best, right? Lifting up artists that are passionate about Star Trek who who don't necessarily do this for a commission, but instead just want to share their passion for, for the franchise. So yeah, check it out. Be sure to peruse some of the work and donate if at all possible. I'd like to have prints made of some of that stuff. There was a Tasha Yar one that was, wow, so amazing. You know who wants to be one of the really cool kids and bring a Star Trek technology to life? Microsoft. That's who. Motorola brought us the flip phone. A bunch of Kickstarters tried the tricorder thing. But the corporation who brought you MS-DOS and Xbox X Series X to the X Power wants to be the company that makes you into a being of light. No, no, it's not a weird ascension ritual. It's the Mark One holodeck. And just like you can't go from a plasma rifle straight to a phaser without first stopping at phase pistol, we earthlings have to make a quick stop between Zoom, uh, excuse me, excuse me, Skype meetings and the holodeck. Microsoft decided to call that midpoint the hollow mesh. It's the next step in their augmented reality technology, which blends the virtual with the real. While the demo concentrated on Pokemon Go and James Cameron's underwater research, the everyday use case will be socially distanced, virtual collaboration with coworkers and virtual objects. So while a Klingon fitness training regimen complete with pain sticks and force field Nausikins is still on the drawing board, maybe you'll be able to argue grand unification theory with Einstein by 2024. I want that meeting room. That's what I want. awesome. I'd love to have meetings in that meeting room. (laughs) I want us us in a virtual recording booth where people are sitting across from each other and I can throw things at Elio. That's what I want. That's... I, uh, we were talking last week on After Hours about uh, some VR stuff and all that jazz. But honestly, if I were to invest in another VR headset rig, I think I would rather wait for augmented reality. I think that's the direction that things are going. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to cut yourself off from your environment. There's safety concerns. And plus, it's just, it's really disorienting to have when you have to like do something in the real world, take it off and put it back on again, take it off, put it back on again. It, it'd be so much better if you could have an overlay that became transparent when necessary, or you could turn off temporarily or whatever. So I, I hope this is this this becomes more commonplace uh, and usable for regular folks. 
Well, Captains, if you watched the Deep Space Nine documentary and wondered, hey, how about one for Voyager? Then wonder no more. The same production team that brought you the DS9 doc and For the Love of Spock have already hit their funding and stretch goals with, at the time of this recording, over $500,000 raised. And that's with 29 days left into the Indiegogo campaign. So if you want to contribute and get the best documentary possible, along with some swag, head over to the Indiegogo campaign. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. I can't wait till they do Enterprise. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Sorry, wannabe Red Angels. Time travel will be forbidden by the year 3189, forever consumed by the blender of canon. Writers of the 32nd century will never know the thrill of making characters say how much they hate temporal mechanics. But nothing, not the temporal accords, not Q, not even Viacom CBS itself, is more powerful than our appetite for new ships. Cryptic provides what Kurtzman denies, as Star Trek Online gets its first ship from the 32nd century, the Janeway-class command science vessel. First seen as the Voyager J in Die Trying, the Janeway-class represents 11 iterations on the intrepid class from, well, Voyager. In-game, the Janeway-class is command first and science second with the inspiration mechanic and a command science command bridge seat. It also has a secondary deflector, other standard science vessel capabilities, and a Lieutenant Universal Miracle Worker seat. After all, when your fleet apparently only has a dozen ships, you have to make the most of them. A photonic cannon console cloaks you and spawns a short-lived pew-pew pet to handle the dirty work. The enhanced cloaking integration trait adds hull restoration and maneuverability when entering cloak, and firing cycle haste when leaving it. Finally, the 32nd century phaser weapons offer both a minty fresh taste and possibly, possibly one of the best procs ever. These weapons may cause both immediate and overtime bridge officer cooldown reductions, giving your aux to bat builds, technician doffs, a well-earned breather. Is there anything about the Janeway class that doesn't get us jazzed? Well, fans' reception of the 32nd century ship aesthetic is as divided as the ship themselves. <laughs> More to the point, this will be the game's latest premium ship, as in Infinity Promo Ship. As in the Infinity R&D and Doff Pack promotion running now through March 25th. If you don't have a cool trillion in energy credits just laying about, then buy some packs and pray to RNGesus. Man. You, you know how when you make a copy of a copy of a copy of something, like sometimes you can't read it anymore, like some parts are missing, like there's some gaps? I feel like that's what happened with, with, with the J here. That, that's, they made a copy of the Voyager, and they made another copy of the Voyager, and they made another copy of the Voyager, and all of a sudden there's no neck, and there's no <laughs> pylons. I see what it's you're just, saying. They're just, it's just missing parts now. I don't particularly hate the aesthetic. Really? 
It's terrible, really. You don't I love like, a sci- I mean, it? I love a science ship, but I I don't know. I I don't still despise on it with the every fence. fiber of your being. I don't. I don't despise it with every fiber. I don't. I don't. What I do despise with every fiber of, of my being is the fact that this is in a R&D pack. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about it for a second. Because I don't understand the R&D packs anymore. Crafting in Star Trek... Who's crafting in Star Trek Online? Who? Who? And for what? But for what? What are you crafting for? Oh, I, I see a hand raised here. A hand raised in the back. <laughs> yes, you. I mean, you in the back. Mostly like white art cannons and, um, you know, bridge officer specializations. <laughs> so it, it's it's need specific, right? You get a ship yeah, and you yeah, need a yeah. thing for it. And I you need a go thing. Grab it. Right. I'll yeah. go craft it. But yeah, you are right, Elio. Like, uh, I don't know why we buy these. I don't. I have a million R&D packs. I don't need any more of those. I don't need R&D bits. I don't want to craft any more things because I can already craft the things. I, it's annoying. I know what they're going to say. They're going to, the, their retort is, well, you at least will get 10 low buy. Mm. It just, nothing in that pack is appealing to me. There's nothing in that I do not craft. And the, I don't know that there is a, it's not like other MMOs where there are people who dedicate their time and play time into crafting, right? Like that's, that's what I think about when when I when about the with these R and D packs, right? I compare it to other games where crafting is a profession, and you can make buku in game currency by crafting special items for other people. But I just don't I don't think that there's a market for that in Star Trek Online, where at least not that not the way it was when it first came out. When it first came out, it was like, oh please craft me the Aegis set or or craft me that that uh, TR rifle, please. Oh my gosh, I need that. But now. Yeah, there's nothing you can craft that you couldn't get a reputation version of something that's better, like, or a mission reward that's even better than something you could craft. And that's, yeah, it's unfortunate because you would like crafting to mean something. And why would you spend all your time running these R&D missions to get to level 20, which takes forever, and you don't get anything extra for it? The other problem that they're having here is that I'm still not clear on a particular thing that has to do with these R&D promo packs. Uh, the the new meta event that they've got going where you do the events throughout the year and then at the end of the deal you get a, a, a tier 6 premium ship token that'll unlock all the stuff I do not see my Enterprise uh, 23rd century Enterprise on there I don't see my I don't uh, oh, it's I, in there it's in there the temporal light cruiser yes I have. because that has been available since prior to December 31st 2020 therefore it will be available as an option even if the uh, list does not actually include it right now. They have said it's in there. It, it okay. So someone needs to go and update the list then, because it is not on They're the list. They're working I have been on checking. it. They are I working on checking. it, but it I've is in checking. there. <laughs> I've been checking. I want. I want. This is this is top priority. Priority one, as a matter of fact. You should definitely make sure that the my 23rd century enterprise is in there. Yeah, as Revan Industries said, the list was bugged. They acknowledge it, and the updated okay. list arrives next Tuesday. Thank Along with my photon torpedoes and tractor beam. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know what else is interesting about this ship? That though they did say, and this wasn't in the article, but the weapons that you get on this ship are not upgradable, which also leads us to the conclusion that they will offer an upgradable version of those phaser weapons in a future lockbox. Fun. So, you know, kind of like so. the spiral wave disruptors, you know, but you'll probably have to buy them with dilithium. So much to love about the Voyager J. The fact that it it, it falls apart. The the fact that well. it's in the R and D promo <laughs> box. 
You know, a lot of people in the Armada, it's a kind of a split. Like some people are like, no, I don't need a science ship. But a lot of people are really excited about this ship. So it's about 50-50, you know. That I, I blame Doug Drexler. The trait sounds pretty good. The trait yeah, sounds- the trait sounds amazing. I mean, photonic cannon. I mean, fun story. cool. Fun story at the uh, Star Trek convention that I took my son to back in 2013 when he was in fourth grade, fifth grade. Uh, that was a trivia question that the trivia guy got wrong. And my son corrected him. He said, what was the, what was, the question was, and he just saw this episode, what was the secret weapon the doctor used when he took command of the Voyager? And Jim said, the photonic cannon. And the guy said, no, sorry, it's the photon cannon. And my son said, no, you're wrong. It's the photonic cannon. And he was like <gasps> Your nine son or something is like that. Awesome. It, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a proud moment for me. It was a proud moment for me. Yeah. And then we, then we looked it up on our phones and sure enough, it was the photonic cannon. Amazing. In other Star Trek gaming news. Aspiring artists of the 21st century on February 24th. Fourth, Star Trek Adventures project manager Jim Johnson announced that he had, quote, more STA products in the pipeline and more work than freelance artists available, end quote. If you're interested, send an email to, quote, jimjohnson at modifius.com, end quote, with links to portfolios, work samples, and contact information. Our show notes also have a link to existing STA artwork for artists looking for subject and aesthetic suggestions. Last but not least, it's also good news for Star Trek Trek Adventure players, plenty to look forward to in 2021. That's the news from Star Trek Gaming this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our first community question was, if there was a feature film reboot of The Next Generation, who would you cast as Data? On Twitter, folks like Ken from Chicago, Mark Taylor, and Dell, that beardy gamer, all agree that Jim Parsons would be perfect as Data. Jim Parsons, for those of you that may not know, is Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Not young Sheldon. Not 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 young Sheldon. Not the little one, just make sure. Also from Twitter, Scorpio King writes, well, that's easy. Real life Android, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> from Facebook, Matthew Mevis replies, Mark Jackson, the guy who played Isaac on the Orville. He literally had fans thinking Brent was voicing the role until he and Seth announced it publicly. Also from Facebook, Matt Black wrote, recast data. Hmm. Let's go way out there and suggest Tilda Swinton. Ooh, I love her. Our second community question last week was, what bridge officer traits do you rely on for your builds in Star Trek Online. From Facebook, Matt Black says, I like an Android buff with reboot in the early game for space as a KDF, pirate, or a superior Romulan operative. And finally from Facebook, Randall Dederick responded, For tactical, I use Romulan officers with superior Romulan operative. For engineering, Vanguard Jim Hadar with engineered soldier space, and Andrea Android with streamlined retrofit engineering. For science, Kentari with Kentari ferocity, leadership, and superior efficiency. Vanguard Jim Hadar with engineered soldier space and hierarchy with efficient and pirate. Hey, what about Lorca with his warfare specialist space trait? That one is one of my favorites. I can't believe it. No one mentioned it. I think you just like to imagine him on your bridge doing whatever you say. <laughs> you should. In the space suit. <laughs> you should. There may be some bias here. It's my What? My no, no. My opinion. Well, that wraps up episode 499 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. 
Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Relly, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And in our community question this week, we asked you if the new announcements regarding Paramount Plus and the Star Trek multiverse were enough to get you to subscribe. Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stowe players, whether you're new or a veteran. So just follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week. Don't forget, that website is patreon.com forward slash priority one. And please tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps, and less time than it takes to skin a live urn. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Roscoe, Lennon, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada and Alejandro Todisco of Star Trek Argentina. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Your phone probably blew up when the Hagman, is it Hagman? I think it's Hagman, yeah. Not Hagman, Hagman. Okay. Yeah, it's Hagman. Not Hagman. 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 I like that one. It's ice cream flavors. Last week, our first community question was, if there was a feature film reboot of The Next Generation, who would you cast as Data? He, he came through again. Yeah, he came through. Well, he's got Twice. plenty to say. Rafa? <laughs> Jerk. And Alejandro Todisco of Star Trek Argentina. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.
Thanks, everybody. Well, very, very Argentinian of me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.